Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Podcast. I don't know what the hell we're calling this. I don't know if this is instant reaction, reaction. Uh, <laughs> rapid reaction, whatever it is, but we're going to be reacting, Pat Hardy and I from Hawk Fanatic. Pat, look, watching that Luca post game, that was one of the toughest things. I, you and I have both been doing this for a long time. So that, was, that was one of the toughest things to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was all just true and genuine. I mean, he wanted so much to lead this team, his teammates, Coach McCaffrey, to the Sweet 16. It didn't happen. And that's going to be the one missing thing from an incredible legacy. And it wasn't his fault. What do you have, 36 points? 36 points. I think he was 12 for 19 from the floor, three for four from three. I mean, he did everything he could do. This was our fear, though. A quick, athletic team would exploit Iowa's lack of quickness on defense, and that's what happened. And they just have an answer. And Oregon also shot lights out. I mean, sometimes that happens, but you have to adjust. But no, I felt for Luca. His embrace with Fran McCaffrey basically buried his face in his shoulder and just cried. I mean, Fran was like a second dad to him. You saw it right there. It reminded me a little bit of the game at Michigan last year where Luca had whatever 40 something points and he yeah. just, Iowa's defense just couldn't complement it. And like you said, this was the fear. And we talked about this before the season. Could Iowa's defense be competent enough or even a little bit above competent, competent enough to uh, work with this offense? And Kenny Smith said it on the TV after the game. Iowa scored 80 points. That should enough be enough. Yeah. But you give up 95. And how many times did Oregon just have clear pass to the basket for dunks in transition? Nobody was picking up the ball in transition. And you saw, I mean, it's a weird situation. Jordan Bohannon is one of the most accomplished, probably the most statistically accomplished point guards in the history of Iowa basketball. But he also has some glaring weaknesses, and they were exposed today. You saw what Oregon was going to do. They were going to let Lucas score. They weren't going to let Bohannon get off. They weren't going to let him have space. They were going to use athletic guys, and it rattled him. And you saw he got frustrated. And Fran tried to put Toussaint in there, had some great moments, but then he got out of control in the second half. And in there. Yeah, and Wieskamp got a couple early looks, but then Oregon just covered him up too and made it a lot harder for him. Yeah, and today I'm not making excuses. Fran did say Connor and CJ were hurt, and they looked, CJ looked hurt today. He did not play well. Today you could have used a Jack Nunji. I mean, but injuries happen. Teams have to overcome this stuff. 
Oregon's good, but this is still a team that was seeded, that was seven seed. This was not like a juggernaut. They're just athletic. Iowa has issues with athleticism, and we know it. We've seen it with Jordan Bohannon. There's certain teams that he struggles against, and this was one of them. Same thing against Gonzaga when Jalen Suggs shut him down. If he can't get space for his shot, he has trouble because he, he doesn't seem to be able to adjust when he doesn't have his perimeter shot as part of his game. He struggles to find other ways to contribute. And I thought Iowa looked really good for that first half, but then Oregon seemed to have the energy moving forward. Was it because they had the bye, basically? But I mean, it's so hard. There's so many things that could have happened. You could also say Iowa had that, you know, had that game under their belt. I just, this was just a game where Iowa ran against, ran up against the team I, that, as you said, shot the ball really well, and Iowa couldn't stop them. Well, and I think maybe the Pac-12 was a little better than we thought, and maybe the Big Ten's maybe not quite as good as we thought. I know you can't judge it all on NCAA tournament, but the Big Ten does not look very good right now. I mean, they're getting beat by teams that look more athletic. It almost looks like some of these Big Ten teams look like big, slow grinders right now. I just thought Iowa's backcourt experience would help more. I didn't think Bohannon would have a game like this where he's just completely taken out of the game. And this surprised me a little bit, but that's the tournament, the finality of it. You lose, you're done, and it's over. A two-hour game has basically brought Luca Garza's career to an end. And, you know, it all kind of came to a rush to him at the end there when he was leaving the court. Just the finality of it. That's what's devastating about the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Conference of Champions. Oregon's in the Conference of Champions, and, and Bill Walton's Final Four is still alive. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I roll my <laughs> eyes at a lot of that stuff because the Pac-12 was taking a beating this year perception-wise. But, hey, today that team looked really good. And let's give Dana Altman some credit. This is the fifth team he's taken to the Sweet 16 since 2013, I believe. The guy knows how to coach. I'm not saying he out-coached Brand, but he was ready today. Yeah, and you make a great point, Pat. And the thing is, is he knew having a 6-6 starter, he wasn't going to stop guards. They no. just did what they could. He got 36 but they covered up the three-point line and ran those guys off the three-point line. And I don't – did, Bo, did Bohannon get, have maybe one or two open looks? Everything else Not was contested. And the times where I thought he might shoot, he was hesitant. I think they were in his head a little bit. I haven't seen a stat box. I mean, it's so hard to find – I mean, I don't even – how many rebounds did Garza have? Do we know? Uh, let me look. I can pull it up here. Did he, really, he did have 36 points, right? Uh, Iowa was eight for 25 from three, but Luca was three for four of those. So the rest of the team was five for 21. What was Bohannon from three? Uh, let me see here. Bohannon was 0 for four. Frederick was 0 for three. Connor was 0 for one. So the other, oh, those were field goals total. My bad. Uh, Fred, uh, Bohannon 0 for two from three. Frederick 0 for two from three. Connor 0 for, so those guys were combined 0 for five. Bohannon took two three-pointers. That yep. is huge. That's what Oregon wanted to do. How many did he score? How many points did he have? Bohannon, Frederick, and McCaffrey did not score. Three of Iowa's five starters did not score. Yeah, and Fran did. I think he wanted to get that out early that those two guys were injured. I don't think he was necessarily saying it as an excuse, but I think he was saying as to why he didn't go back to them. But CJ just wasn't himself. You could tell he's just not healthy enough to play. And this was a game where they needed scoring, and Connor just – wasn't able to do that today. So, and Connor obviously has two hip issues. Now it makes me wonder, is he going to play? Fran made it sound like the surgery would happen this summer. So maybe he's going to try to gut it out during baseball. I don't know. Man, I don't know how you play baseball I don't like either. that. I um, no especially with hips. 
Yeah, I don't know what is going on with the hips over there. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's just unfortunate. I thought Patrick McCaffrey was really good today. I thought you saw where he's going to be effective. He's great in transition. He's great at getting to the basket. If I'm Fran, I'm telling Patrick McCaffrey and Keegan Murray, work on your perimeter jump shot because people are going to start sagging off you and keeping you from going. You've got to get that mid-range game going, and I think they will. Yeah, I, the length that those two bring and the athleticism, they need to get a bit stronger, as you said, and they need to be more consistent with their outside shots. I really like Tony Perkins. I think sure the guy ha has potential. If Joe Toussaint can take one, uh, just another step, and, and I think sometimes we get caught up in thinking what do Joe Toussaint is now is what he'll be next year. You just hope that he takes another you know, step in his development it's not the same as Iowa football, Pat, but Iowa basketball is about development and guys getting better each year. And the guys on this team got better each year. Oh, without question. I mean, look at Garza. Now yeah. the question is, do you think they get anyone from the transfer portal? I think they need to. And I, I think – A center and a shooter. I think uh, you and I would agree that Wieskamp's most likely gone. Yes, that's what I'm hearing. I'm saying 70% based on what I'm hearing. Uh, same here. So that's basically Bohannon – Wieskamp Garza, you have Peyton Sanford from Waukee coming in. That leaves you two rides to play with. The one drawback with that is the dead period goes through May. So, but also Fran will have some time to play. It's going to be a lot with Zoom, but there are going to be a ton of guys in the transfer portal. Well, two guys I'd look at is John Hara from Penn State. And you saw Walker Kessler from North Carolina transferring. He's a big yeah. kid with a lot of potential. I'm, I say you got to reach out to them, but I think they need a perimeter shooter too. I mean, I, they're going to look so different without threes from assuming Wieskamp's gone, Garza and Bohannon. That's a lot of – CJ is going to face a lot of double teams unless some other guys can prove they can make threes. And right now, to me, Keegan and Patrick don't deserve to have a lot of defense from threes because they haven't proven they can make them yet. Now, CJ has, but it's going to be hard. CJ is going to have hard time spacing the floor next year without Garza and Bohannon. And if you look at it, Toussaint, Euless, Perkins, Keegan, Patrick, the guys we saw the most of this year, I don't think you would say any of those guys are good three-point shooters. No, Perkins did make one today, which was good. If he can add that to his game, he's going to play a lot because I like his game. I think he's big enough to play with C.J. Frederick, too. Toussaint's just got to learn how, first of all, not to, he needs to look at his shoes. I mean, he falls down so and I don't know what it is. He falls down but today in the second half, I just think he got ahead of himself, got too excited, over-penetrated, and, and then Fran just realized we got to get somebody else in there, and he went to Euless. So I'll give Fran credit. He didn't stick with anybody too long today. He tried everything. They just didn't have an answer. Yeah, and you know this, Pat, and we talk about it a lot. Um, basketball is about matchup. This, this was not a good matchup for no, Iowa. This was not a good matchup for Iowa. It wasn't because of speed and quickness and athleticism the ability to take people off the dribble and the ability to keep slower guys in front of you. That's what Oregon was able to do today. I mean, Bohannon just was taken out of the game. If you watch today's game and you saw where he has accomplished stat wise, you'd be like, what the heck, what happened? But this has happened before with Jordan. It's either feast or famine with him, especially this year. He's been really up and down. I feel bad for him. This is a terrible way for it to end. You know, and there's some stupid stuff being said on Twitter by some former Hawkeyes that I don't get by a former. I don't know if we need to name his name, but some of the stuff I'm seeing on Twitter is just ignorant, stupid, attention seeking. Yeah, and I get it. A lot of those guys are Iowa fans. And, and, and I tweeted this out, too. I mean, feel how you feel. 
you know, it sucks. This it sucks when the season comes to an end like this. If you're an Iowa fan, but don't be mean. These guys played through a pandemic. They barely saw their loved ones since last summer. Nobody hurts more than them to tweet stupid shit out. Think before you tweet. I guarantee the guy who tweeted wasn't nearly as accomplished as Luca Garza. So I just when I saw that, or I was Jordan like, Bohannon or Jordan Bohannon. I saw that and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And then some of the people who liked it and agreed with it is just. Just crap. I just thought it was a crap tweet. I'm not going to mention the player, the former player's name. People can find it on Twitter, but it did nothing. Counterproductive, and I just don't get it. No, and Twitter. That's the problem with Twitter. It's just people get tempted to do things, and it's so easy to hit that tweet button, and boom, it's there. So I know you've written about this, Pat, and I've written about it too. Is this what this team is today? What this team will be remembered for? Or is it the big, bigger picture? I think Garza maybe deflects a little bit because of everything he did. But, yeah, I mean, I think this, I think they had to get to the Sweet 16 to change that narrative, and they didn't do it. It's been 22 years now since Iowa's been to the Sweet 16, and they didn't do it. But I do think Garza did enough stuff individually to where they'll remember that. But remember, that 016 had Haluska, Bruner, and Horner, and nobody remembers that. They just remember 64-63. Northwestern State, and it's unfair, but that's the power of the NCAA tournament. That's what I don't like about it. But the other problem this team has, whereas the 06 team won the Big Ten tournament, this team won one game in the Big Ten tournament. Luca Garza won two NCAA tournament games. Jordan Bohannon won two over five years. People will hold that against them. I mean, it's not fair or not. That's how a lot of people will look at this as being a major failure because they didn't get to the Sweet 16. You have Haluska on your radio show a lot. He knows that's what to remember for. I've talked to, and you, I know you have talked to Bruner and Horner. Yep. They, I mean, it still bothers them today. And I think Luca was feeling that a little bit in the post game that he knows this is what he's going to remember a lot from his Iowa career. And it's unfortunate. The NCAA tournament gives you a chance to be, you know, sister Jean and Loyola. Yep. To, you know, and, and make memories that way. But then on the backside of it or the, the downside of it is what we saw today. And it's unfortunate because these guys, I mean, I was had two number two seeds in the NCAA tournament in the history of the program. This was one of them. But I think we've seen over whatever it is now, 15 years since that 2016. And the first thing that comes up is Northwestern State. Yeah. And what's funny is like with football, when you mention Tim Dwight, the first thing that comes up is not the 1997 season, which to me was one of the worst seasons I've covered. That team went 7-5, and five, didn't even want to be at that bowl game at the Sun Bowl. It was a terrible ending. But people don't remember that because that doesn't have the power of the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament has so much power in how the narrative is remembered. And that's what's unfortunate. I love the tournament. I just think it has too much power and influence. And I, I'm going to remember a lot of good things about this season, how they played all 27 games. They made it through the pandemic. But like I said, I just was hoping they, if they lost, that they'd be more. They weren't very competitive in the second half. That's what's unfortunate. They were down by 15 to 20 points most of the second half, and that's just unfortunate. Uh, we saw more of kind of the way that the, today's game played out, I thought, last year when Iowa had more defensive breakdowns and teams would put up a lot of points on them. We didn't see that as much this year. Especially down the stretch. So this was kind of like a slap back into those games where people were really pissed off about the defense and France staying with the zone too long. He's not playing enough man-to-man. He's playing too much man-to-man, not playing enough. He tried everything he could today. No defense was working. No, you imagine him trying to go exclusively man-to-man with this team. I mean, seriously, think about that. 
I mean, it would not have worked. Bohannon couldn't keep those guys in front of him. Frederick was injured, having trouble. He struggled to keep those guys in front anyway. They're quick. They got a lot of quick guys for Oregon. So, yeah, coaching was not the reason. The execution, just the better team won today. I don't know if that means Oregon would win a seven-game series against Iowa, but it doesn't take a seven-game series. You just need to win once. You look at basically Oregon's backcourt, Duarte, Figueroa, and Richardson. They were, they were they were a combined 24 of 36 from the floor with 16 assists and 15 rebounds. How many that, those three? Yeah, I mean they were like how many threes did Oregon make overall? Oregon was 11 of 25 from three. Iowa was eight for 25, but a lot of that came later in the game. Oregon was really good. They I think they were seven of 14 at halftime. But even so, they still had a nine-point advantage from three. Yeah. That would happen. I thought Iowa was going to have to make somewhere between 10 and 15 threes to win today's game, and they didn't do it. And they still took a lot of threes. They took 25. All right. We'll get ready to wrap up here in a minute. But I'm going to put you on the spot, and I think people will want to uh, start looking ahead because that's kind of what we do nowadays. What's next? (laughs) Um, I'll put you on the spot. Next year's starting lineup, game one. Okay. Is this assuming they don't uh, – assuming This they is don't assuming – this no is assuming additions? no additions and Wieskamp's okay. gone. And Wieskamp's gone. Okay. I think you're going to go with um, Keegan Murray, Connor McCaffrey, C.J. Frederick, Joe Toussaint to begin with, and then uh, – I think Nunji's going to be back. I At least Fran said he would be back yeah, in the summer. I would throw, if Nunji's back, he would be that other guy. He would be the big guy. And a lot, I think Josh Agundale is huge. I mean, I think how he the, That's the problem right now. He can't be as huge. No, he needs to lose weight. He needs to get in better shape. I'm not sure right now Fran has a lot of confidence in him right now. But I think Connor, C.J. Frederick, Keegan Murray – Will be will be sort of the nucleus of next year's team. I mean, and I I, I think and then maybe you go with Patrick and Nunji. That would be six eleven, six nine, six eight. But then you got to have a point guard. I Connor and Frederick can't play point guard. To somebody you don't want. Yeah. The things they can do. To me, Frederick or Eulis and Toussaint. One of those guys has to rise up and take that point guard position. I'm interested to see what they get out of Chris Murray next year. I think he's got good potential. He just didn't have the minutes this year because of how many guards they had. But I think he'll get an opportunity next year. And for people that haven't seen them play, he's different than Keegan. He's more of a perimeter player, and he has a better outside shot. Well, Patrick and Keegan both have to work on that mid-range and three-point shooting game. That will take their game to the next level. That's a huge thing for these guys. And I do, though, think they're going to get at least one grad transfer. I just have a feeling they will. I think with Garza leaving, some center may – but some centers may be like, yeah, do I want to try to replace that and try to live up to that for a year? And So we'll see. But I think they need a shooter as much as a center. I think they need a three-point shooter. I really do. Given the choice, what would you rather have, another shooter or another, or another big guy? You know, right now I would say another big guy because I don't know what to expect from Nunji or Agundale right now. I would say that. But if I knew Nunji was coming back and Josh would make some decent – progress i would say a shooter because i think they're going to have trouble from three next year i mean who on the roster besides frederick would you say coming back is a good three-point shooter maybe chris murray maybe yeah and we haven't seen it that's it yeah Yeah. center and three-point shooting are two things they have to address so we'll see what happens 
All right. Well, hopefully everybody can get some sleep tonight. It's not too, uh, too traumatic what happened today. Really, just keep it in perspective. It was a really fun season, I think, and people got a lot of enjoyment out of this team. And again, before you go to Twitter and, and type something stupid in, one, you're going to look like the ass. And two, these guys, these players and coaches hurt a lot more than you do. Exactly. I mean, they put so much into this emotion, heart, energy. I mean, just leave them alone. Let's don't be like the Ohio State fans or whoever they were that jumped on their players. Leave these guys alone. Let them be. And like I said, I've seen some disappointing tweets, but I've also seen a lot of good support from people on Twitter. You know how it is. It's good and bad. So I respect these players. They fought their butts off. Coach McCaffrey, they did everything they could to try to win. They just, somebody has to lose. That's the spirit of competition. Well said. And on that note, we will take off. And uh, thanks for listening to whatever this was on Hawk Fanatic. Instant reaction, rapid reaction, reaction. There you go. It, it all works. And we're yeah. probably not the first. I bet there's probably six podcasts up by now. Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully ours. Hopefully somebody listens to ours. We'll yeah. talk to you later. All right, man. Talk to you.